WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. WABC News Time, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Friday, March 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. See some clouds this morning, showers this afternoon, high 47. Tonight, overnight, rain, snow mix, low 38. Saturday morning here in the city, it's going to be rain in outlying areas. You could see snow, high 46. And then Sunday, sun and clouds, high 47. If you're walking out the door with us right now, always happy that you are. 33 and cloudy, so much to get to on this Friday morning. Wanted to tell you quickly about this moment yesterday that I have. I have to laugh. You know, grief will hit you in the most odd, weird times, right? The backstory I need to tell you is that, um, unfortunately, my mom suddenly passed away in September and handling legal matters is stressful so let the law offices of frank bruno jr provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve the law offices of frank bruno jr has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years they focus on elder law and estate planning but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate the law offices of frank bruno call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com that's frankbrunolaw.com frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. I had an unusual relationship with her, not in that I wasn't loved or that I loved her, but uh, when I was 19, she moved about 10,000 miles away from me. And the closest I could get to her in a lot of time was an 11 hour flight. So I'd only see her once a year. So when she passed away, in September, it didn't really hit me that hard because I wasn't seeing her every day. I mean, I was upset that she had passed away. And then, you know, then you have moments when people are telling you that they are sorry for your loss, of course, or you remember her. But uh, yesterday, uh, in the mail came the documents for her will, which I had to have notarized by a, you know, notary. So I go into the notary's office yesterday, and for some reason at that exact moment as I'm signing the documents, this, you know, paperwork with a complete stranger, there are tears streaming down my face as I see my mother's name there, you know, her full name, her death certificate, the will, and, uh, the guy's looking at me like I am out of my mind. Uh, thankfully, he handled it very well. We moved on, uh, but it was one of those moments where you just kind of have to chuckle afterwards. All right. From my grief to other people's grief, I'm good at telling other people's stories about death and destruction. Let's do that with the headlines right now. The top five at five. Police say they've caught up with the bodega worker killer. A strange debate over menthol cigarettes here in the city. A really close call for a crane and a cab. Dr. Fauci still on the hot seat over COVID. A big-time embarrassing moment for the city of Newark. 503, let's get into it. Up to the Bronx. This is happening way too often. Cops searching for a man and a woman after they were attacked. A worker at a supermarket in the Bronx happened at a food town on Allerton Avenue. The video shows this worker trying to stop these two from shoplifting from the store. Well, those shoplifters just haul off 
on-the-store worker. Thankfully, he was not seriously hurt, but we're seeing this more and more often. Here's the owner of the store. We follow them to the front, make sure that, you know, it was paid for it. It's an ongoing situation, and something should be done about it. You know, catch people almost every day. Every single day, he says they catch people. Every day. That's nuts. The uh, worker punched multiple times in the face, refused medical attention. He's going to be okay, but I'm um, sure he's thinking about it when he goes back to work the next day. He's okay. Yeah, um, thank God for that. But, I mean, it was unnecessary. And no surprise here. The investigators say he was wearing a mask. So it's going to be hard to find him because he was covered up right up to his eyes. Uh, so far, they have not caught up with that creep. But they have caught up with another creep, an alleged killer, the suspect in custody now in connection with that fatal shooting of a bodega worker here on the Upper East Side happened last weekend. WABC's Alex Barnard joins us live with that story. Good morning, Alex. Good morning and happy Friday, Noam. Happy Friday. Right back at you. Thank you very much. Yes, 39-year-old Kim and Cyrus of the Bronx was arrested after being picked up for questioning Thursday. Cyrus allegedly walked into the deli on East 81st Street and 3rd Avenue over the weekend, demanding money from employee Sung Choi before shooting him in the head. The 67-year-old Choi was pronounced dead at the scene. NYPD Chief of Detectives James Essig says a break in the case came in from a tip. Detectives were able to identify this individual based on video, clothing, and interviews. Cyrus is also believed to be linked to at least three other robberies across the city and was in possession of the gun possibly used in the murder when picked up by authorities. Fernando Mateo, president of the United Bodegas of America, says they're breathing a sigh of relief. We are relieved because we know he is no longer a threat with a gun Cyrus is now being charged with murder and a weapons count. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. WABC Newstime 505, the debate over whether or not to ban menthol-flavored cigarettes and vaping products, creating divisions within New York's civil rights community. This is an awfully strange debate going on. Eric Garner's mother, remember uh, Eric Garner, of course, uh, killed Staten Island, was buying Lucy's, loose cigarettes, Staten Island. Uh, his mother is on the side of menthol cigarettes. She says they shouldn't be banned because she, she says that'll create uh, problems in communities of color when people go f- to find these cigarettes. We don't need more interactions by police and force. We are addressing the criminalization of the medical ban. We know what it's going to escalate into. Yeah, I'm not sure I really understand why she's on that side of the argument, but there are currently city, state, and federal efforts to ban menthol or mint-flavored tobacco products. In New York, the ban is picking up momentum at the state level after Governor Hochul suggested a ban be part of this year's budget. Gwen Carr, who you heard from there, Eric Gardner's mother, says a ban on menthol-flavored tobacco products like Newport's would lead to more interactions like the one that killed her son. But other civil rights leaders rallied a short time later after she rallied to say, no, they should ban menthol cigarettes. They want us to focus on the boogeyman police and not the boogeyman of cancer and COPD. NCAACP on the side of banning menthol cigarettes. So the big lie is that the police going to be coming into our community if we get rid of menthol cigarettes. 
Yeah, I, I'm sure I don't totally understand Gwen, where Gwen Carr is coming from, but she's on the side that they shouldn't do it. WABC News Time 509, New York City restaurants. Apparently learning to do more with less as they rebound from the pandemic. New York City Hospitality Alliance President Andrew Riggi says that means there are fewer workers working in restaurants. And they've told me even if they could hire back to pre-pandemic employment levels, they're not going to. They've learned to do, they've learned to operate with fewer people. Yeah, the industry employs roughly 30,000 fewer people than it did before the pandemic. Many left the hospitality industry during the pandemic when it hit. Uh, Ridgie notes that restaurants adjusting their business models to accommodate fewer workers by slimming down their menus. They've shortened their hours. You may have noticed this. Sometimes you go in, the menu's a lot shorter than it used to be. Uh, Bloomberg says 60% of the nation's food service industry is still understaffed today and because of the cost of labor and inflation they just don't have the bandwidth or the necessity to hire as many people as they used to yet not as bad as it once was i've noticed that when you were going into restaurants maybe a year ago you might have to wait a little while for service that doesn't seem to be the case now but it hasn't apparently fully recovered the manhattan da seems to be moving closer to bringing a criminal indictment against former President Trump in connection with a hush money payment to a porn star Stormy Daniels before the 2016 presidential race. New York Times reporting this morning Trump was offered the opportunity to testify next week to the grand jury. Uh, No former U.S. president has ever been indicted on criminal charges. Dozens of parents, students attending a Perth Amboy Board of Education meeting last night to voice their concerns about violence in that city's schools. It's been just a few weeks since an 11-year-old kid was stabbed, allegedly by another 11-year-old kid while they were work walking to Perth Amboy School. This is for the future children who may soon respectfully take a seat at your table. How are we going to protect our kid to go home safe from one place to another? My prayer go to that, fa- um, that kid that got stabbed. This shouldn't happen in our school district. Speaker after speaker going before the board last night. Superintendent of schools was there, tried his best to deflect from the stabbing that left that student in the hospital. Thankfully, they're going to recover. But parents weren't buying it. And some thought the superintendent's vision of Perth Amboy schools filled with safe, joyful students was not really accurate. Everyone is passing blame and no one is taking accountability for what occurred. Every day in school, we are told as young adults that we need accountability for our actions. The district wants us to be leaders, so here we are, speaking up, being the voice for other students and parents who are scared to speak up. All right, but the school board has taken action. Last week, the school district sent a letter to parents, the promising changes after that stabbing, proposing several recommendations, including bringing in armed guards, metal detectors, and backpack searches. Now, now all parents are on board with this. Dr. Mont, if you're going to talk, then back it up. We lose more and more trust in you every time you open your mouth. So some parents uncomfortable with those changes made that clear last night, but schools say they've already hired some armed guards and the budget calls for more of them to be hired over the coming weeks. WABC News Time 512. Let's go down to Atlantic City where casino workers want, uh, at least a lot of them anyway, want to close the smoking loophole and it's gaining momentum with New Jersey legislators. Casino employees against smoking, the co-founder, has worked at the tables for 27 years and he says there shouldn't be smoking allowed in any of the casinos. But there's people that have been there 45 years in the casinos working they've been dealing with secondhand smoke and now as we get older effects are starting to happen there's 
Currently, smoking is allowed in up to 25% of the casino floor. But that, of course, doesn't stop smoke from spreading elsewhere. It's kind of like it used to be in the smoking and non-smoking sections on the plane, right? Everybody was in the smoking section. He says casinos banned smoking during the pandemic, and that managed to keep customers anyway. Health and Tourism and Gaming Assembly Committees held a hearing yesterday, several members voicing support for eliminating the casino smoking loophole. I can't turn my head. I can't walk away, obviously. And I'm not even allowed to wave away the smoke because it's considered a rude gesture. And then you have, of course, people who just go to the casino. They have their say, too. There's no issues. The smokers were fine going outside. The non-smokers loved it. The, the workers loved it. And when they when they lifted that from the pandemic and they allowed people to smoke, we all got pretty upset. Bring it back here into the city, the MTA, telling New York City council members they can no longer hold off on fare hikes. The MTA chief financial officer, Kevin Williams, proposing a five and a half percent increase for 2023. Increasing costs of labor and materials and so forth, and that there hasn't been a fare increase since 2019. We viewed five and a half as, as modest. Of course, some of the problem is is not everybody's returned to taking the subways. You have lots of people who used to take the subways, don't anymore because they're working from home. That, of course, has affected uh, everything going on with the MTA. Transportation Council says it's... um, uh, they say the increase is more than they want. They're going for like 2% over four years. There's a back and forth between people on the board and, uh, of course, the people who are going to have to pay for it, you and I. Trying to... um balance the budget without having to rely on service cuts and layoffs. Yeah, so it's either service cuts, layoffs, or fare increases. None of those are really great options. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk to say good morning, Justin Ellick. Well, good morning, Noam Layden. Happy Friday morning. Yeah, back at you. Well, we're all very excited. Listen, you know, get you started. Get you ready for the weekend, and then uh, before you know it, it'll be Monday again. So, <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> here, here we go. <laughs> we'll start on the hardwood here. The Knicks say have some regrouping to do after their second straight loss last night at the hands of the Kings in Sacramento. Final score being one to, uh, one twenty-two to one seventeen. After winning nine straight, the Knicks have come right back to earth, due partially due to two, uh, the questionable health of starting point guard Jalen Brunson. Brunson did attempt his return last night after two games in street clothes and looked like his usual self with 19 points in as many minutes on the floor but ultimately left the game at halftime with left foot soreness. We'll see what his status is come tomorrow in Los Angeles when the Knicks dip it off with the Clippers. In Milwaukee, the Nets had no luck trying to sneak a win by the NBA's best in the Bucks, falling 118-113 to in the end, even though the Bucks were without their superstar in Giannis. Milwaukee's role players picked up the slack to help them secure their 19th win in their last 20 games. The Nets remain on the road, heading straight to Minnesota for their 8 p.m. Eastern time tip tonight against the Timberwolves on the ice. All three local teams needed extra time to squeeze out victories last night. In Montreal, the Rangers held on in a shootout against the Habs to steal a 4-3 victory with Patrick Kane finally getting his feet wet in his new blue shirt sweater. Down low, Kreider back to Panarin. Outside, Truba. Kane with room. He shoots, he scores! Patrick Kane! 
That call courtesy of MSG because the Benajad secured the tally in the shootout that propelled New York to the win, and the Rangers bounced back following two straight losses before taking on the Sabres in Buffalo tomorrow evening. Regulation time wasn't enough for the Islanders in Pittsburgh either, but Brock Nelson, he opted to end things in overtime before a shootout was necessary, locking up a 4-3 to win for the Isles. Anders Lee had two goals in Hudson fashion, also scored for New York as they get set to go for their fourth straight W tomorrow night in, uh, back at home when they welcome in the Washington Capitals. And last but not least, the Devils took care of those aforementioned Capitals in Washington last night, besting them 3-2 to two after overtime and a shootout. They'll try and keep it going in Montreal tomorrow night when they're set to face it off with the Canadians. And a quick Biggies tournament update. Eight seed St. John's eliminated yesterday by one seed Marquette by a score of 72-70. to 70. Four seed UConn takes down five seed Providence with a final score of 73-66. to 66. Two seed Xavier moves past 10 seed DePaul, 89-84. to 84. And three seed Creighton, best six seed Villanova by a score of 87-74. to 74. And looking ahead to the semifinals tonight, you got Marquette versus UConn at 6.30 p.m. And two seed Xavier against three seed Creighton at 9 p.m. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Imagine spending two decades behind bars for a crime you did not commit. We'll hear from a Brooklyn man who is free today. A crazy scene in Brooklyn between a crane and a taxi and Anthony Fauci back on the hot seat. Those stories and more, but first at 520, a check of Wall Street with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. The market heading toward a losing week as stocks sold off yesterday. The Dow Jones Industrials plunged more than 500 points. Investor confidence waning after Fed Chair Jerome Powell's testimony. Wall Street forecasting a longer interest rate hike campaign starting with a half point increase later this month. The key jobs report today. February hiring forecast to decline significantly. Unemployment is forecast to remain near a 53-year low. The tight labor market likely to drive more interest rate hikes. Oracle Learnings today, revenue forecast up more than 17% investors looking to Oracle's guidance for the year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 521. Let's go out to Brooklyn. A crane fell onto a taxi in East Flatbush yesterday. In the cab were three people, including a kid. Thankfully, they're going to be okay, but uh, they were hurt. This was on New York Avenue. Uh, they were taken to Kings County Hospital after a piece of this crane fell on and smashed into the middle of a cab. Lots of people heard just this loud, what almost sounded like an explosion, ran out of their homes to see what had taken place. I literally heard a boom sounded like two dump trucks hit each other. It sounded like it was right next to me. As I come out and I look, I see the elbow of the boom inside of the yellow taxi. At that point, I see that I saw the actual the actual driver was in the taxi. Yeah, uh, lots of people coming to the rescue of the people inside that cab. Again, the injury is not serious. Now the buildings department, the police, everybody involved trying to figure out how this actually took place. That cab, it's totally destroyed. A man imprisoned for nearly two decades for a crime he did not commit, set free yesterday. Imagine that. Spending 20 years behind bars knowing you did not commit the crime you've been convicted of. Sheldon Thomas, 
uh, behind bars for a murder conviction in 2004 in the death of a teenager. So the Brooklyn DA has a department now that reviews old cases. And um, when they were reviewing some of these old cases, they realized right away that they had the wrong Sheldon Thomas. There were two Sheldon Thomases that apparently lived in the same building. They picked the wrong one. And this guy spent 19 years behind bars. He did not want to speak to reporters after he was walked out of the courtroom by his grandmother, a free man. But he did speak in court and uh, talked about what it was like to sit in a prison cell knowing you had done nothing wrong. I waited a long time to, for this day to happen. And there's so many times when I was in my cell, I would think of this moment and replay conversations that I've had with myself, what I was saying, who would be there. And right now, I'm just, I'm speechless. Yeah, he said uh, he's happy, of course, to be getting out. He's going to try to recover the life he's lost. They were going out for oxtail, something a favorite of his that he hadn't had, of course, in years. The Brooklyn DA, Eric Gonzalez, says Sheldon's arrest was based on witness identification of a photo of a different person with the same name. And he says, huge mistake. Can't repay him for the life that he's lost. There's no winners here. He spent nearly 19 years in state prison. There's still a 14-year-old boy who lost his life in December of 2004. Uh, So no winners. But there were a lot of lessons that I think we learned from this case. And this is a prime example of why the Conviction Review Unit was established. Yeah, we sent a message out to Sheldon Thomas last night to see if he'd want to chat with us. I haven't heard back, but if he does, of course, we'll play portions of that interview right here on the news hour wabc news time 524 let's go out to new jersey where detectives have been walking in and out of the ventricelli home in roxbury where police say peter ventricelli shot and killed his wife kelly and his teenage son anthony before taking his own life this was sometime tuesday morning neighbors have been watching all of the commotion in and around the house oh, we were shocked uh, i never saw any problems with them i never saw them argue um, it's just, uh, it's just crazy. Yeah, that nobody can seem to figure this out. Uh, police found the three bodies Tuesday morning after doing a welfare check when they hadn't shown up for work or school. They say they may never know why Ventricelli, Peter Ventricelli, did what he did. The MTA, we told you this yesterday, reopening bathrooms in some subway stations uh, they did so a number of them back in January. Now they are renovating more bathrooms across the system, and they say 12 more of them will open come May. So we sent Bob Brown out onto the streets, as we always do, three times a week, to question of the day was, uh, will you use one of these subway bathrooms when they reopen in May? You might have a guess of what most people's answers are. So I'm here at the 14th Street Station asking strap hangers, would you use the bathroom? Bathroom in the subway? Unless it was a dire emergency, no. <laughs> right. I guess uh, a lot of people would feel that way, right? Yes. Did you ever use the uh, bathroom in the subway since you've been riding the trains? Not in a very long time. I would say definitely it was less than wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they weren't the greatest. You know, I didn't even know there were necessarily bathrooms in subway stations. I mean, I guess I saw them once in a while, but apparently a fair amount of the stations have them. Do you use the bathroom in the subway? No. Do you ever use the bathroom in the subway? Before. Bad and, experience. And what was the, exp- 
Not very. How was it like in there? How were the conditions? There was somebody like living in there, almost got kicked out. Yeah, and it was very funky. I never use it because I work in the Hyatt. If you were taking the train somewhere and you weren't near the Hyatt. Oh, no way. It's very dirty. <laughs> very, very dirty. Well, there was one person in there who was willing to take one. Okay, I'm just getting started on this Friday morning as we work our way up to sit in friends in the morning at 6 o'clock. Before we head out of here, we'll tell you about how Dr. Fauci found himself on the hot seat over COVID. A big-time embarrassing moment for the city of Newark. And my favorite movie critic, Joe Malisi, has his picks for the Oscars this weekend. That and more coming up. First, though, WABC News Time is 529. <laughs> The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me. WABC News Time 531. So happy you're here. Good morning. It is Friday. That's a good way to start the morning. March 10th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning. Some showers this afternoon. High 47. Tonight overnight, a rain and snow mix. Low 38. As you heard from Joe here in the city, just maybe an inch of snow, probably less. Saturday morning, it'll be rain. High 46. Could see up to six inches in some outlying areas of New Jersey and New York. And then some Sunday, sun and clouds, high 47. If you're walking out the door with us right now, and always happy that you are, it is 33 and cloudy. Let's go down to Washington, D.C., a top Republican claiming Dr. Anthony Fauci lied and tried to cover up the COVID lab leak theory. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul says Fauci pushed a U.S. taxpayer-funded research at the Chinese Wuhan lab and then later tried to downplay the lab leak theory to cover his tracks. Fauci lied about funding the lab. He lied about it being gain-of-function. And he lied as part of an elaborate cover-up. And the senator believes Fauci should be prosecuted. This week, GOP House subcommittee members claimed to have uncovered new email evidence suggesting Dr. Fauci prompted the drafting of a publication to disprove the Chinese lab leak theory. The cover-up was to cover up his culpability. See, he went outside all of the rules. He made exceptions for the Wuhan lab. And he got them money when they didn't qualify. Dr. Fauci, though, pushing back against that, using the words bizarre and preposterous in response to those claims during a hearing that he was part of a cover up. The former National Infectious Disease Director refuted Congressman Jim Jordan and Rand Paul's suggestion that investigators received a nine million dollars. They said that uh, received uh, that investigators rather received a nine million dollars that they said that was part of this lab accident in Wuhan. He's saying that all this stuff, all this confusing stuff has no connection to him. They put in a grant about a year and a half before this all happened. The grant was reviewed by a peer review and put before an independent council and approved before the meeting even took place. Yeah, fired up Fauci there referring to the Ohio congressman's allegations as typical Jim Jordan had nothing to do with reality. I had nothing to do with who would be on that call. That call was organized by a group of evolutionary virologists in order to discuss the possibility that this might actually be a virus that was actually engineered. Okay, down to uh, Philadelphia. President Biden laying out his budget plan in Philly yesterday. Medicare finally has the power now 
to negotiate for lower drug prices. It's going to reduce the deficit this year. $160 billion. The president speaking to union workers in Philly yesterday. He says his budget includes capping the cost of insulin at 35 bucks a month for all Americans. Biden called on Republicans to release their budget as well, saying he's ready to meet House Speaker Kevin McCarthy at any time. The budget includes a new billionaire tax, an increase on the tax for corporate stock buybacks, and an increase on the Medicare tax for those making more than $400,000 a year. The White House claims the proposal would shrink the deficit by nearly $3 trillion over the next decade. I'm ready to meet with the Speaker anytime, tomorrow, if he has his budget. Lay it down, tell me what you want to do, I'll show you what I want to do, see what we can agree on. More from the President here. I'm ready to meet with the Speaker anytime. This is it. I said, I'm going to introduce my budget, you introduce yours, and we'll sit down and we'll go line by line. And we'll go through it, see what we can agree on and what we disagree on, and then fight it out in the Congress. Now we'll have to see how this all plays out. WABC News Time 535, Europe's largest nuke plant without power still today after Russian missile strikes on Thursday morning. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says this is just what Russian President Vladimir Putin does. These are targets that were largely civilian infrastructure. He's trying to knock out the lights. He's trying to turn off the heat and he's trying to do it all over the country. The uh, plant taken over by Russian forces last year is running on diesel generators that can supply power for 10 days. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency denouncing the strikes near the power plant, noting that sooner or later their luck will run out. uh, Thursday strikes, which rained down on targets across the country, killed at least nine people. They think that number will go up. Let's go down to Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis leads former President Trump among Florida Republicans for the 2024 GOP nomination by at least 25 points in a hypothetical matchup in a new University of North Florida poll. Here's the pollster. This is Florida, right? I mean, I know Trump technically lives in Florida, but really he's a New Yorker. And this is Ron DeSantis' home state. He's the governor. He just got elected in essentially a landslide. Polster says not totally shocked by these numbers. He's, he's waiting. Uh, DeSantis is saying he's waiting till after the legislative decision to, uh, session rather to make a decision about a White House run. When it comes to Florida, uh, registered Republicans are absolutely leaning toward DeSantis over Trump amongst a field of. 10 candidates that that we had put out there. Yeah, so interesting that's the place in Florida, but when we see these national polls, of course, Trump is ahead of DeSantis. I mean, it's not a a think, it's a a when. He's waiting till end of session so he can, you know, quote-unquote, focus on session and get all of his policy initiatives passed, sign those. But interesting, a 25-point lead for DeSantis over Trump in Florida among Republicans who are weighing in on the 2024 GOP presidential nomination. WABC News Time 539. Apparently mixed in with a flood of South and Central Americans who are illegally crossing the U.S. southern border are now a surprisingly large number of Russians. Yeah, Russians in the mix. In FY22, uh, CBP encountered 36,271 illegal aliens from Russia, which yes, is startling. That is startling. Congressman, I had no idea. Congressman Pat Fallon there in a committee hearing yesterday says uh, Russians, some of them arrested at the border, the others, uh, some got through. The Texas Republican says many don't have papers, these Russians, making it difficult for federal agents to do a thorough background check on who these people are. Since the beginning of the new fiscal year, there have been 21,000 
234 Russian illegals encountered by CBP. Yeah, uh, more from the congressman. The commander of U.S. NORTHCOM stated that most of the GRU members in the world are in Mexico at the moment. Those are Russian intelligence personnel. Uh, awfully interesting. We should absolutely know who is crossing our border. Uh, that's probably true for a lot of the other people coming across what has become a very porous border, U.S. southern border, the northern border as well with Canada. And the uh, Mexican drug cartel behind the kidnapping and murders of those two Americans is apologizing. You can't make this stuff up. The Gulf cartel reportedly left a note saying the gunman who kidnapped four Americans and killed two of them said they weren't acting on orders from the cartel leadership. Morgan Chesky, a reporter, she's down there, has more. The letter includes apologies to the people of Matamoros, the Mexican woman who was killed, and the families of the Americans. The Gulf Cartel also said they turned over the gunmen to Mexican police. The kidnappings and murdered just happened across the border from Brownsville, Texas. Former U.S. Marshal Robert Almonte says the admission from the Mexican cartel is almost unprecedented. They made a huge mistake. Uh, they killed uh, two Americans. And uh, they know that the uh, Mexican government going after them. They know that we're going to go after them as, as, as well. Yeah, the apology probably not going to be enough, but amazing that they did. They left an actual apology for what they did. In D.C., Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell still in the hospital after that fall Wednesday night at a D.C. hotel. Apparently, he has a concussion. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, the two of them, of course, have known each other for decades, spoke about McConnell on the Senate floor yesterday. I join every single one of my colleagues in wishing Leader McConnell a speedy and full recovery. McConnell, 81 years old, has been in the Senate, well, seems like forever. I called the leader this morning and spoke briefly with his staff to extend my prayers and well wishes. My thoughts are also with Leader McConnell's family and his team. WABC News Time 542. Let's go out to Israel. That's where we find um, uh, latest remarks from Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. He was in Israel yesterday. He says Iran's nuclear program is a top concern, not just, of course, for Israel, but for the world. As President Biden has repeatedly made clear, the United States will not allow Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. Lloyd Austin's remarks come more than a week after the U.N.'s nuclear watchdog says it found uranium near bomb-grade levels at a nuclear factory in Iran. Now, we continue to believe that diplomacy is the best way to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Well, Israel doesn't necessarily agree with that, um, and apparently they're getting their hands on all this stuff they aren't supposed to be able to get their hands on. WABC News Time 543. West Virginia wants to take its law about transgender athletes in women's sports to the Supreme Court. The law that bans male student athletes who identify as female from playing on girls' sports was put on hold by a federal court and the state's attorney general not too happy about this. West Virginians and the American people are animated. They know this is a matter of basic common sense and basic fairness. Patrick Morrissey there says uh, he's proud to defend the integrity of women's sports. He says somebody who transitions from being a male 
to a female shouldn't be able to participate in those high school sports. If the high court intervenes, the case could impact transgender sports laws throughout the nation. So everybody watching this case awfully closely. Coming up on 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Well, thank you, Noam. We will begin on the hardwood with our New York Knickerbockers. They have some regrouping to do after their second straight loss last night at the hands of the Kings in Sacramento. Final score being 122-117 to after their nine straight wins. The Knicks have come right back to earth due partially to the questionable health of starting point guard Jalen Brunson. Brunson did attempt his return last night after two games in street clothes and looked like his usual self with 19 points in as many minutes on the floor but ultimately left the game at halftime with left foot soreness. We'll see what his status is come tomorrow in Los Angeles when the Knicks tip it off with the Clippers in Milwaukee. The Nets had no luck trying to sneak a win by the NBA's best in the Bucks, falling 118-113 to in the end. Even though the Bucks were without their superstar in Giannis, Milwaukee's role players picked up the slack to help their, them secure their 19th win in their last 20 games. The Nets remain on the road, heading straight to Minnesota for their 8 p.m. Eastern time tip tonight against the Timberwolves on the ice. All three local teams needed extra time to squeeze out victories last night. In Montreal, the Rangers held on in a shootout against the Habs to steal a 4-3 victory with Patrick Kane finally getting his feet wet with his first goal in his new a blue shirt a sweater. Mika Zibanejad secured the tally in the shootout that propelled New York to the win, and the Rangers bounced back following two straight losses before taking on the Sabres in Buffalo tomorrow evening. And regulation time wasn't enough for the Islanders in Pittsburgh either, but Brock Nelson opted to end things in overtime before a shootout was necessary, locking up a 4-3 to win for the Isles. Rust overskated. Aho gets in there and ties up with Petrie. Then Rust... This one comes out, Sorokin with a great stick, and here comes Nelson, he could win it, Nelson on Jari, he scores! That call courtesy of MSGSN, Anders Lee had two goals in Hudson fashion, also scored for New York as they get set to go for their fourth straight debut tomorrow night back at home when they welcome in the Washington Capitals. And last but not least, the Devils took care of those aforementioned Capitals in Washington last night, besting them 3-2 to two after overtime and the shootout. They'll try and keep it going in Montreal tomorrow night when they're set to face off with the Canadians. And a Big East tournament update, eight-seed St. John's eliminated by one-seed Marquette. By close score of 72-74, to 74 seed UConn takes down five-seed Providence with a final score of 73-66, to 66. two-seed Xavier moves past 10 seed DePaul, 89 to 84, and three seed Creighton best six seed Villanova by a score of 87 to 74. Looking ahead to the semifinals tonight, you got Marquette versus UConn at 6:30 p.m. and Xavier against Creighton at 9 p.m. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 5:49. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories from the morning. Cops looking for these couple that were shoplifting at a store supermarket in the Bronx at a food town on Ourton Avenue. A worker there tried to stop them from shoplifting, and they beat him silly. He's going to be okay, thankfully. But apparently at the supermarket, almost every day they're dealing with a shoplifter. We follow them to the front, make sure that, you know, it was paid for it. It's an ongoing situation, and something should be done about it. Catch people almost every day. That's crazy. Almost every single day. Uh, They haven't caught up with this guy because, well, one reason, uh, one of the people had a full-on mask, so it's just hard to figure out who he is. He's okay. Um, Thank God for that. But, I mean, it was unnecessary. Yeah, totally unnecessary, that worker okay. Uh, This is a better story. A person of interest, well, actually an arrest now made in the deadly shooting of a bodega worker on the Upper East Side last weekend. The NYPD chief of detectives, James Essex, says a break in the case came in from a tip, and they went in and found the guy they think is responsible for this murder. Detectives were able to identify this individual 
based on video, clothing, and interviews. Essex says they arrested 39-year-old Kimmin Cyrus, who's from the Bronx, who they say has three prior arrests. Charges against Cyrus are pending. Meantime, after hearing the news, the president of the United Dega Association of America says they're breathing a sigh of relief. Of course, that's uh, Fernando Mateo. WABC News Time 515. Uh, Let's go out to Newark, where there was a big celebration yesterday of abolitionist Harriet Tubman being honored at the unveiling of a massive monument in Newark. It's called Shadow of a Face. It includes audio by Queen Latifah. Her grandnieces, uh, Tubman's grandnieces, were at this dedication yesterday. It is phenomenal. It is emotional. It's breathtaking. And it is impressive. And Harriet also has transcended not just through our family, but through all of humanity, the monument which to, I love. Uh, the monument to the Underground Railroad conductor, former slave, also includes what they call a learning wall, where visitors can read about Tubman's daring exploits, helping hundreds of slaves escape to the north. Tubman was also... I didn't know this was a Union spy during the Civil War. Here's the audio artist who came up with the monument. Really excited to be to see this finally open to the public because really it's about having people engage with the work, connect with each other, connect with the history. Yeah, it was interesting. I think uh, worth a trip out to Newark to see. Of course, Sunday. The big Oscar show, lots of films nominated. Uh, seems like a good crop of movies. My favorite movie critic, Joe Malisi, is giving his picks for the Oscar nominations. I just bogarted in another show here at WABC. The Academy Award winners, a guaranteed take a reverse mortgage, a payday loan, bet it on Joker 2 with Joaquin Phoenix, joined by, yes, Lady Gaga, Gaga, Gaga. That movie's not even out yet. Well, the Oscars are finally this Sunday, and it's time for you to put in your prediction for who's taking home the gold. Today, I'm giving you some of my picks in this special edition of Cinema in 60 Seconds. Well, there's a lot of categories during the Academy Awards. I'm just going to give you three of my picks. For Best Actor, the battle continues between the whale star Brendan Fraser and Elvis himself, Austin Butler. While the first half of this year was all about Butler, I think Brendan Fraser will come out on top. With this being his big comeback, I think fans are excited to see their childhood hero win the gold. For Best Actress, I think Michelle Yeoh has this in the bag. Her performance in Everything Everywhere All at Once was one of the best I have seen in a very long time. This was a really complex script and her performance matched it perfectly. While there's still some heavy hitters this year, I'm sticking with my answer. And finally, the award for Best Picture isn't something to be taken lightly. Dozens of people and countless hours are put into each movie. While I think the nominees are neck and neck from Tar to The Fablemans to The Banshees of Inisherin, I'm still going with everything, everywhere, all at once. It was just an amazing story, great performances, unbelievable visual effects, and overall really solid filmmaking. Well, there you have it. Those are my picks, but what are yours? Let me know in the comments, and you can read my full predictions on WABCRadio.com. From 77 WABC, I'm Joe Malisi, and I want you to enjoy this Oscars weekend. Thank you very much, Joe. Of course, surf on over to WABCRadio.com. You can see all of Joe's movie reviews of the Oscar nominations. are all up there on the website. WABC News Time 554. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver K.J. Osborne, three others, responsible for saving a man from a burning vehicle in Austin, Texas. My Uber driver, you know, begins to start yelling and screaming. You know, I look up and I don't see anybody on the road. And so I'm like, you know, what's what's going on? To my right is a car that had 
pit, uh, pillar under a bridge head on. Osborne says he, his Uber driver, two others on the road stopped to save this driver from the burning vehicle. Osborne says he was eventually able to pull this man out of the car, carry him a safe distance away. My Uber driver, Abdul, he went right up to the car. He opened up the passenger door. He seen if his driver was okay. Yeah, thank God they were on the scene. Eventually, the driver was able to muster enough strength to move his upper body to the passenger seat and kind of be able to put his arms out and ask for help. Yeah, the good news here is everybody's going to be okay. The police came and the firefighters yeah. came um, and extinguished the fire and everything like that. And, um, you know, we were able to save his life. Yeah, good job done there by K.J. Osborne of the Minnesota Vikings. The owner of the NBA's Los Angeles Clippers apparently bowled over that the team's new facility, they're building a new arena, will be number one in the league when it comes to places for number one and number two. Toilets! 1160 toilets and urinals! Three times the NBA average number of toilets and urinals! We do not want people waiting in line. Yeah, so it was smart on his part. He says he doesn't want people waiting online. He wants them back in their seats or buying stuff at the food stands around the arena in Inglewood. The venue scheduled to be completed in 2024 will have seating for 18,000 fans in addition to more than 1,100 toilet seats. Apparently, that'll be the most toilet seats of any arena in the nation. And let's go out to uh, Newark. Where, oh my God, they got scammed in the biggest way. You know, they have these uh, sister city programs where you, you know, Newark uh, is a sister city to a city in Japan. And they do some trade and maybe they travel back and forth. Well, uh, this guy came up to them and said he wanted to do a sister city with them from an Hindu nation of Kalasa. And uh, the Newark City Hall welcomed him in for a cultural trade agreement. But it turns out there's no such place as Colossa. It's all fake. Very embarrassing for the city. I truly don't even have words for it. I'm really sorry for the city that they got duped in that way. I mean, they got duped in such a super way. It's a prankster from India who pranked them. They uh, These guys showed up in like what they thought were cultural uniforms to this meeting. And they, they got it all on tape. And people in Newark are shocked that lawmakers just didn't think to Google Kalisa and see if it was a real country. Whose job was it to do a simple Google search, right? As you said, like, no one in City Hall, not one person did a Google search. So maybe we need a transformation of City Hall because not one person said, let me go on Google and figure out this was a fake city. Yeah, so those red-faced city lawmakers, the city council members saying, uh, you know, no money was exchanged. Just that meeting that they had initially and yeah, they're embarrassed about what happened. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.